Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Good Celtics fans, welcome back to another episode of the Celtics Pod. We're live on Facebook. If you're watching us live on Facebook, happy Tuesday. If you're not watching us live on Facebook, happy Wednesday. You know, this starts to get a little bit confusing. And then by the time you're listening to this, it's afternoon. You know the score. It goes all crazy. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my boy, Mr. Will Weir. It says Will Bun on the screen. We've been through this a bunch of times, but now it's just part of the intro. What's going on, my, my guy? Hey, what's up, Adam? My homie from across the pond, and uh, you know it's it's either Tuesday if you're listening on Facebook, or it might be Wednesday if you're on the pod if you listen to the podcast afterwards. But either way, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving weekend. You see, now this is the thing for me, man. Like I know it's Thanksgiving week. I understand that people are going to be getting ready and traveling home to yep. see their family and stuff. But then I totally forget. So we'll be talking, and I'll be like, hey, what are you doing Thursday? And I, I know Thursday <laughs> is Thanksgiving, right? But yeah. like, because it's not something we do here, I'm just like, oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's not super present in your world. So it's really hard yeah, to then make that connection because there's no one around you texting you, hey, man, what's your, what's your plans for Thanksgiving? Like, where are you going? You see, you going to your families? You're doing Friendsgiving? Like, that's, that's not a, a regular conversation in your text threads right now. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, like, I have those conversations because most mm-hmm. of the people I, I speak with nowadays are American or live in America. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have those conversations, but it's not like it doesn't involve me. You know what I mean? I'm just being nice. Like, hey, dude, you got, <laughs> you're going to have, I hope you have fun on, uh, on Thanksgiving. What are you going to be doing? Yeah. But none of that's like, can I tag along? Or, you know what I mean? So it's just it's a pleasantry. Quite, it's, it's a pleasantry that you almost kind of just throw out there because you're you're aware of, of the time and circumstance, but it's not anything yeah. that's like tangential to you. You can't you're not you're not actually experiencing it. So you just know it's a thing, which which is interesting. Like, I wonder, um, you know what I mean? Because like you've never you never experienced you've never been in the U.S. for Thanksgiving, have you? No, dude, flights are too expensive. Oh, they're, they're crazy bro. expensive. I mean, dude, well, first of all, you know, just traveling within the U.S. Like, I remember uh, a few a few summers ago, I went, I was in London, and I hit Barcelona and I think Amsterdam while I was there. And, like, traveling, so that's two different countries <laughs> that I went to, for those of you listening. And I think in total, it cost me $250, like, U.S. dollars to go from London and that's two flights in, and including round trips. So three different flights within three different countries. And typically, if I want to go from Austin, where I live, to Boston, like that's not even usually the price of one flight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. like traveling and then you add in Thanksgiving, I almost like I, I either go home for one of the ho- major holidays, meaning either Thanksgiving or Christmas, but never both because it's insanely expensive. To do Yo, bro. Like, um, so my boy, Brendan, is, you know, Brendan. He yeah. hit me up yesterday, like, "Hey, dude, this king's in a rough spot right now." But that's a, that's yeah, a whole other so, um, conversation. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be going out to to Sacramento soon, um, hopefully, all being well. Catch okay. a couple of games out there, catch a Celtics Kings game, you know, do what we all right. do. 
But um, he was like, yo, dude, so he was the one who bought it up to me. He's like, yo, you can stay at my crib, do this, do that. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. He's like, so I've looked at flights and they're two grand. I'm like, nah, no chance, bro. I'm like, you're looking at the wrong websites if it's coming yeah. up as two grand. I went and looked. It was uh, like in my money, it was like 500 return. So 500 mm-hmm. all in, which is like um, about 700 bucks. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know where you got two grand from, dude, but uh, yo, 500 is a lot better than two. You're, you were probably, Apparently our guy's looking first class. <laughs> so I was like, you were probably looking for this week. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, of Thanksgiving yeah. prices. Exactly. Right. Forgot to update the dates. I've done that before too. And you're like, oh my God, like I thought I was getting ahead of this. You know what I mean? Like you yeah, think yeah. you're like, you're, you're doing the adult thing where you're looking into the future and not waiting like a month before like, ah, crap, I forgot about those flights. And you just got to buy them at whatever rate it is. Uh, I've done that before. That's definitely what happened though. Is he just but that's what happens, dude. The, the spike, the Thanksgiving spike. This is mm-hmm. why like, uh, this is why, like, basketball teams have it figured out, dude. Because they've just got those private jets, you know? Just go and get on the team jet. We'll be yeah, there man. soon. You know Here's the I mean? thing. Adam, you just got to put in a call to Wick and be like, man, I really want to go watch the Kings and Celtics. What do you think? Can we charter a flight? <laughs> He'll be like, dude, nobody wants to go watch the Kings. What are you on about? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, they might be on another lie. coach by then. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> if you're going to lie, you might, you know, I might as well go out there and be the coach at that point. Like, I couldn't do a worse job than Walton, right? Anyway, I think that's uh, for the Kings to discuss, not for us <laughs> to discuss. We do have things to discuss, though. We have people we can talk about. We have players that played well. We had players that played better than we expected them to play. Luckily, we didn't really have anyone play bad. So that's a no. good start. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to be, We've had a few where we've been like, oh, man, I'll come off the podcast feeling depressed. I'm like, how are people <laughs> going to enjoy this? Not today, though. Not today. I want to start with my boy. My boy Romeo. It's going to be a very fleeting discussion on Romeo for anyone rolling their eyes. <laughs> I still think okay. So the last podcast I did when I kind of I brought in Jack, who's like a writer for Celtics blog. One of the big points I made towards the end of that episode was that Romeo has been averaging 15, 20 minutes a night, getting two, three points. And I was like, it's just not enough. If you're, get, I, I know that you're playing a very defensive role, and your job on there is to use your size and length to be a good switch defender but you still need to be putting a few more points on the board than two or three. I'm like, that's just, that's not for me, bro. So, um, you know, he comes out, he gets 10 points, um, you know, a couple from three, a couple from the corners. He was doing some good rebounding work, some good defensive work. Had a bit of a slow start, you know, he had that floater that didn't go too good. Um, I think he'd done that, like he kind of drove, curled over somebody, jab stepped in, pulled back and done that little fade away. That weren't money. That was bad. That was a poor <laughs> shot. Uh, but overall, the aggression was there, right? And I think that's for me, like with his with his athleticism and his size, I think that 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 aggression will even end up giving you more good than it will bad over the course of a long period of time. So, um, super happy with his performance, and I hope that he continues to attack the way he attacked in that game because I think that's when you're going to see the best version of Romeo Langford. Yeah, I mean, going to that size, Scal went out of his way to kind of point that out on the broadcast last night, that people don't realize the size and athleticism combo that Romeo brings. And part of that is because he spent most of his first two years in and out of the lineup with injuries. And then when he was in, it was what was his role. And depending on the timing of the season, it was kind of hard to make it work. But, you know, Romeo's a big dude. He's I think he's somewhat similar to Rob Williams to me and that they both play 
bigger than their heights that they're listed. Like I think Romeo's listed at six four, Rob's listed at six eight. They both feel like Romeo feels like he plays like a bigger wing than he actually is. Just like Rob, in my opinion, plays like a like a like a more like a traditional center. Like he feels a lot bigger than six eight, six nine, whatever he is listed as. They both play a lot bigger than that. And you know, with Romeo, I, I think Romeo's really actually carved out a nice little niche for himself within this rotation. You know, I talked about this with our other co-host here from the three-man weave, Greg, the other night. And coming into the season, there was four, there was a group of four, let's call them quote-unquote young guys. I'm removing Rob Williams from this for now because we knew he was going to be a star. But there was a group of four young guys. And realistically, you needed two of them. I don't know if you needed them to, to quote-unquote pop, but you needed two of them to contribute. You needed them to be something for you. And so I'm looking at Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, and Romeo Langford. And I think... As we went to training camp, and then even more so as we went through the preseason, it looked like Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard were going to be those two. But as now we're getting close to, I mean, Adam, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season now. So we have like a good amount of data and evidence of what's working, who's playing well, who's not. The answer to that question has been Grant Williams and Romeo Langford. And they're two guys that right now are going to get, even with Josh Richardson, who didn't play last night against the Rockets, even with him back, I don't see the two of them not getting a minimum of somewhere in that 15 to 20 minutes per game. And that says a lot for where both of these guys have come from. And I'm kind of lumping Grant into this Romeo conversation because I think that's huge to be able to have that depth that we keep talking about. And having the two of them be viable within the rotation is a massive, it's just massive for the Celtics in general. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, in my, my outlook on it is. They're just I don't think there's enough minutes to be able to incorporate everybody, right? I think that, you know, Josh Richardson in my eyes has earned his role within this team mm-hmm. now. He's earned the minutes. He's earned the minutes he's getting. Romeo has earned the minutes because he's more switchable than what Neesmith is on defense. And I think yeah. that Udoka is very much like you need to be able to be a high, not a high level, but a reasonably good defender if I'm going to give you minutes. And I think that's what's hurting Neesmith right now. And it's definitely hurting Pritchard. And just um, not making I, enough shots for, for Neesmith. Yeah, yeah, I think that coming in and going hot straight off the bat yesterday in that fourth quarter, hitting those two threes one after another, it made that's going to help for him. him. And Udoka said after the game, like during his press conference, he was like, yeah, I spoke to Aaron before the game, told him that, you know, you don't get the luxury that other people get where you can come in and go through your progressions and warm up as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a backup shooter. Your job is to stay hot when you haven't played for 20, 30 minutes, come in and still hit buckets. Now, to me, personally, I think that's a harder role than being one of the starters. I get that you don't have the same level of def- like defense on you, but like you know, to be not play until there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you and then all of a sudden you're expected to be hitting every shot that comes your way. That's real tough, man. Because the last time you shot a ball was in the it was in the warm up. It was like over an hour ago. Hour yeah. You know what I mean? Like you ain't getting shots up at halftime because you're back in the you're back in the locker room watching film and figuring out the strategy for the second half. So um, I was like, man, when he when he said that, and I've always said that like those shoot the reason shooters come at a premium, uh, the the elite shooters come at a premium mm-hmm. is because it's almost impossible to stay locked in when you're not yeah. playing. So yeah. I think that was a big adjustment. I do think that, you know, I agree with you. I think that, you know, having two of these young guys that can get consistent minutes and give you that youthful boost, that youthful energy off the bench, that reckless, that controlled chaos, that's important. How, but I do think that, you know, like Neesmith needs to show more defensively. And like, I don't even think the knocking down shots is that important. If Romeo's getting minutes averaging two points in 20, 
You know what I mean? I don't think the shots are as important to... Yeah, to but I mean, here's that. the thing, man. Like, we, we've harped a lot on this podcast about the shooting, and, and it's not without yeah. merit. Like, the shooting is, is, is still a deficiency on this team. It's not... It, it could be at a higher level, but if you look at those guys specifically, you know, Romeo is averaging in those, you know, I think right now he's averaging about 18 minutes per game. He's averaging two three-point attempts per per game when he gets in, and he's hitting 42% of them. Same for Grant Williams. You know, he's shooting just under three and a half, and he's shooting a little over 40% as well. So, I mean, they're getting in there, and they are actually providing, you know, some type of floor spacing that, that can't be overlooked if they're going to get those minutes, and it's not going to be at the crazy volume that you want, you know, a guy like Aaron Neesmith, if he's playing 20 minutes, he needs to be shooting, you know, four three-pointers and hitting ideally 40% of them because that's what he's supposed to be, you know? So, so it's, it is different. You can't – you have to look at it within a certain level of context – but the fact that those guys are providing, you know, what they're doing on the defensive end, which is obviously, which we've talked a bunch about, which is where Ime is going to lean. If they're going to hit 40%, like, you know, I think that's going to be enough to, to get it done to keep them in the rotation. And at least until, you know, injuries come up or, or whatever it may be, you know, I think Neesmith and Pritchard, we're going to continue to see them only get spot minutes or garbage time minutes unless something changes, whether it be level of play or injuries that happen above them in the depth chart. And I think the depth chart's the important part, right? Like this is a, and I, I said this to somebody earlier today. I think I was on like a Discord chat, um, and I basically turned around and said, like, this is probably the deepest team since the 2018 roster. Not as not as talented and mm-hmm. as deep as that roster, but it's definitely the deepest in terms yeah. of you can go one through fifteen, and it might not be as good as your top five or top eight, but it's still a reasonably good NBA level player, right? And Pritchard being your third string guard is enormous because I think Pritchard is capable of being a legitimate backup guard for certain teams in this league. For sure. And I do think that, you know, when there are, when injuries do occur, and we've you've seen them already this year, the Celtics have had to navigate no Brown, no Rob Williams. You know, no Rob Williams, you can still roll out Ennis Cantor and what they're doing is they're, you know, they're switching one through four, letting Ennis Cantor play drop and pre-switching Cantor out of pick and roll so he can't get exposed as easily. So they're utilizing what they've got and they're playing well. Now, do I feel as comfortable if Dennis Schroeder has to miss time? I'm not sure because Pritchard seems to me like he's a guy that needs to be playing consistently to really start making an impact. So you're probably going to get two or three bad games out of Pritchard before you start getting good games out of Pritchard. Um, And that leads me to be like, are these guys going to get traded? Is their development getting stunted? I just... You know, we've got yeah, a whole new I'm, coaching staff. You just don't I, know. I mean, the thing is, it's it's hard to serve everybody. You know, serving, I, I don't know, I, it's a phrase out there, like serving multiple masters at the same time. You know what I mean? Trying trying to win now, trying to develop guys, trying to give equal playing time. Like, there's just some things that, that, that just aren't going to work out. And there's going to be times where, you know, it, it just, it kind of is what it is. And so we'll have to see as as the season goes on what that does to to guys like Neesmith and guys like like Pritchard with any trade value. Um, but I think for now it's kind of a work in progress. And for me, you know, with Jalen Brown coming back last night, the thing that I'm most excited to see is it feels like we have positive momentum and pretty much a fully healthy roster of our main rotation guys for the first time since really opening night or just after opening night. And certainly we didn't have the same level of momentum that we do right now with going eight and three in our last 11 back out of the play in into the sixth seed in the East. And so for me, that's really what I'm trying to to really hone in on is, is what that main group looks like. And then if one of them is not the right fit more so on the back end of that rotation, 
does one of those guys jump up at some point? But I think for now, Ime's kind of got a set in his mind. He's got a set block of about eight, nine to 10 guys that he's going to roll with night in and night out until something changes. Yeah. And I think those nine to 10 guys are the guys that you can really rely on. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that set rotation is something that gives you a lot of continuity, something that gives you a lot of ability to be able to implement things quite quickly because these guys are already, they've learned the systems. If you need to make a sudden slight tweak, it's not guys coming in and out of the rotation that have having to remember where they're meant to be all the time. I think that was, you know, I was a big Brad Stevens proponent in experimenting with your lineups up until December. I used to think he'd stretch it too far into the February. Yeah. But that experimentation, I was a big, big fan of that. You know, every seeing what lineups work here, what lineups work there, what counters you've got to when guys go small or go big. Um, I think Kudoka's done it a completely different way. He's like, yo, we're going to take these 10 guys and we're going to really drive home our offensive and defensive principles. And then when we need to counter something, we're just going to make slight tweaks and these guys are going to be able to pick it up really quickly because they're not overthinking everything else that's going on around them. The the problem is the four like you know the other five guys, two or three of them are guys that have high level potential that aren't getting minutes, and I think that you know G League can keep them warm, but it can't really develop them because yeah. th- these are guys that were getting playoff minutes like six months ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. I mean some of those playoff minutes were by default with with some of the injuries yeah. and stuff. But you know, I mean at the end of the day, Adam, here's the thing. This is a fantastic problem to have. We didn't have this problem last year. Last year we were oh, trying to figure sure. out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like if, if, yeah, if, yeah. if we're trying to take like the you know the high level perspective of of what's happening in the Celtics world, the fact that we're like, hey man, I don't know if we have enough minutes to develop some of our back end bench guys that may have potential. That's a pretty good world to live in for Celtics fans right now. And so you know the Celtics <laughs> yeah. are trending up, and this is a world I'm happy to be in on Thanksgiving, especially where we were, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. Where, where things were looking a little grim, Jalen goes out, Lob gets hurt soon thereafter, you know, where it's, it's a little bit more, you know, tenuous as to the, you know, to the state of the Celtics. And right now, heading into a massive matchup with the Nets, whether that's tomorrow, if you're watching us on Facebook, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, could be tonight. I mean, that's a matchup of two top six teams in the East right now, and I'm not sure that's where I thought we'd be just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I think that, like, how can I put this? Like, I can't say that I'm disappointed with how things are going because I'm not. Like, this is a, a vastly improved team over last year in terms yeah. of depth, in terms of I really enjoy the way they're executing offensively when they're clicking now. Uh, defensively, I think they're improved as well. I think the downside for me is just that development, right? Like, I definitely feel like this team's got top four, top five potential at this point. I mm-hmm. came into the season like, yo, you're going to struggle to really make that top four. Now, obviously, Philadelphia's... But Philly being Philly kind of makes it in that top four a lot easier. I think that Chicago are a really tough team. Milwaukee are a really tough team. Brooklyn are a really tough team. But I think East that four deep, seed, man. yeah, deep. But I think that four seed's attainable. I think you know you have to fight and claw to get there. Or it's a very attainable seeding spot. Uh, do I think that the bottom five guys aren't going to play big roles? I think we're going to see everybody get a role at some point here or there. I do think that you know if you're not going to use Neesmith or you're not going to use Pritchard and they're not in your future plans. I mean, Brian Rubb reported the other day that and he was on um, 98.5 to Sports Hub and he was saying, like, from what he's been told, the Celtics are already showing interest in figuring out how to bring Schroeder back. You know what I mean? Like, and obviously with 17 games into the season, 18, 19, <laughs> yeah. like a lot can change between now and then and there's a lot of 
like a cap acrobatics that would probably need to happen. But it was yeah. just like a, but he definitely, he said it, like, do you know what I mean? His words were, I was speaking to Schrode over there and it looks like there's mutual interest between both guys, whether he comes back. Well, if he comes back, not, you can't have Pritchard sit on the bench for a second year. So, uh, I mean, it would probably be the end of Pritchard if that is the yeah. case. And I mean, there needs to be other cap maneuvers to to make that work. But, you know, if I'm being honest, it doesn't surprise me. I was looking at Dennis Schroeder's numbers right now. As you mentioned, we're only 18 games into the season. But if you look at his numbers compared to two years ago when he was a six-man-of-the-year finalist, his mm-hmm. numbers match up almost mirror for mirror. He shot a little bit better from three that year. He's shooting a little bit better from the free throw line this year. And he's got about an assist more this year playing with the Celtics. Other than that, his numbers are lining up to what was probably in his career, the the best year of his career to date was that year that he had in Oklahoma City, and he's playing alongside Chris Paul, which, you know, we've seen what what happens to your career when you play next to Chris Paul. You go get paid bags of money, which he did, but he, he turned it down, unfortunately. Sorry, Dennis, <laughs> had, to, had, had to bring that up. Like, Chris Paul oh, did put you in a position to make bags of money, but, you know, you got to sign a deal at the end you of the day. You handled your contract, like you handled your <laughs> passing lanes, poor decisions, poor decisions. But, hey, man, Dennis Schroeder has been making a really valuable impact on this team. And and even just from the eye test, so so to that report from from Brian Robb, you know, that doesn't surprise me because I feel like when I watch this team, and this is all me inferring as a guy watching, you know, I live in Austin, Texas, not at the Garden, I'm not in the locker room talking to these guys, obviously. But when you watch this, you know, Dennis does seem to be a guy that is a team favorite. He seems to be a guy that's constantly – in the mix with this guys, and this is me totally reading into it, you know, being a fan, but it feels like there's a, a genuine connection with him, this team, and it feels like some of the fans are getting on board with the Dennis, you know, the, the Dennis train as well. You know, as, as much as he can be erratic in the moment, which we've talked about a bunch, it's entertaining, it's fun, and he's been super valuable for this team, especially keeping the boat steady while Jalen Brown was out. And I mean, like, this is where I'm at, right? Like, I came into this season completely off the Dennis Schroeder train. Like, yeah, am I am I completely on? No. <laughs> am I holding on for the journey? Yes. I think that, you know, I've got more of my buddies on the trainings off yeah. at this point. You got one limb. One one limb's hooked over the rail. Yeah, like I've got my arm on the outside just holding <laughs> on. The rest of me is all there. I'm looking for the sandwich bar to go and take a big, you know what I mean? Sit down for the meal. Like, he, he's, he's winning everybody over. I think you can see his, where his limitations are with that gung-ho style, with that. I want, you know, I don't think that he, but I genuinely don't believe he's playing for his numbers. I just think that's how he plays and that's yeah. how he knows how to impact a game. And he has seemed more of a willing passer on the perimeter. Once he get, once it, you know, once his head drops and he starts driving, he, he ain't passing until somebody makes him lift his head back up. That's just who he is, but he's being successful at it and he's doing yeah. it within, like, I never feel like, hey, they ran, I don't know, they ran uh, a stagger screen entry. And then someone set a back screen and now Jason Tatum's wide open. You know, someone set a hammer screen. Jason Tatum's wide open in the corner and Dennis Schroeder's looked after. No. Like Dennis Schroeder will look after Grant Williams, but there's no way in the world that he's ever going to look mm-hmm. after Jason. I think he understands where he falls within this hierarchy. Yeah. And I think he's playing within the, the confines of that hierarchy. And you can't complain at that. Not yeah, when that- he's being impactful. Yeah, and last night, you know, something I wanted to to take a look at with uh with with JB returning in the lineup is to see how Ime starts to to stagger because really I I feel like in an ideal world you'd kind of want 
from a scoring angle, two out of the three, whether it's the Jays plus Schroeder, and you want to kind of have two out of the three, you know, on the court just to have kind of like an alpha scoring option and then the secondary scoring option, then you mm-hmm. can kind of figure it out from from there. Something that I thought was really interesting was, was and this was in the first quarter, he actually subbed out the Jays together and pretty much turned the offense over to Dennis Schroeder. And, you know, when he's out there with him, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Romeo, and Al – I mean, it, I think he's probably going to take one or two extra shots that you could live without, but you want him being that aggressive, you know, rim pressure Dennis Schroeder out there because he is the number one scoring option in that lineup. And so I, I think it's really interesting the way that Emei's utilizing him. And to your point, I think he's trying to put him in the best scenarios for him to succeed. And with that, he's a faulty player. It's going to have its ups and downs. That's why I call him day trade and Dennis. Like, you know, sometimes you're up, then you're down. But at the end of the day, <laughs> he kind of ends up with a, with a stat line that, that leaves you in the positive, even though some of those glaring, you know, mistakes that he made might sit with you. He's going to end up with a stat line that leaves you in the positive. And, you know, Emei is really doing his best to utilize his best assets with, with you know, with some of the lineups around him. So I, I think it's really interesting to to watch Dennis because he's one of the most – I think he's one of the most fascinating players I've ever – certainly ever covered and, and really have ever watched or rooted for in my life. Yeah, I mean, look, we've covered Marcus Smart. I've been covering Marcus Smart. Like, I, I think Marcus Smart's first season was the season before I started, like, writing and podcasting about stuff. So I've basically covered Smart. Well, I have. I've covered Smart since his sophomore year. So yeah. I've rode that experience train up and down, and I understand the best version of him, the worst version of him, and everything in between. Uh, while I want to touch on Marcus Smart at this point as well, I want to say that I think Imei has kind of got him playing right down that perfect middle of giving him the freedom to attack while also reining him, him, reining him in enough to limit those heat check frees. I think Marcus Smart this past two weeks has been the best version of Marcus Smart. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Um, you know, super aggressive on defense. I think he's doing a bunch of good work down on the um, down on the block. He's actually been, you know, they're running yeah. plays to get smart down on the block, running for mismatches. Um, I think that another thing that Udoka's doing as well is he's using Dennis Schroeder's gravity to cause mismatches. If you watch the last two games, 
Two games in a row, they've ran um, inverted screens where Dennis Schroeder sets a screen. Um, yesterday, it was for Marcus Smart. Schroeder set a screen for Smart to get the switch. And then Marcus Smart like, got like a mid-post position, drove and then kicked it out. But the, the fact that he could overpower who he'd switched onto to get to the paint and do, hit a kick out was because of the way Udoka's kind of leveraging that um, that gravity off Schroeder. Schroeder done it for in the Lakers game for Jason Tatum to get Tatum a switch onto Avery Bradley. Um, I think that not only is Schroeder and Smart both playing within the best version of them, kind of right down that middle, right? Like you still see a bit too much sometimes. Sometimes you see just a little, not enough, but primarily the down the middle. And I think Udoka's doing a great job of using them and using their um, their gravity and their skill sets and the way defenses adjust for them to create open looks elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because I think if you had asked me at the beginning of the season you know, what's one of my biggest fears? It, it probably was a Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder lineup. I still you know, don't that want was, to see that court. I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I haven't dug into the, to all the numbers of, of where they are with their, you know, offensive, defensive rating and what that net rating looks like. But, you know, and it's still not probably my, my ideal number one option for this team. But I do feel like it's worked a lot better than what if we had gone back in time, done some Doctor Strange shenanigans and kind of reverse time. Like, than what I would have said in training camp and in the preseason, it's worked better than than what I would have thought. And you know that to a degree, I got to kind of give that to Ime a little bit. You know, we've been we've been somewhat hard. I don't say we've been done that. We've been overly harsh on Ime. We've been critical in a fair way, I think. But you know, this is a pairing that I did not think would would be good for this team. And I, I feel like based on the eye test, without digging into some more of the numbers here, that it works far better than I would have expected. Oh, for sure. It's definitely working farther. And I think you have to, t- as you say, you have to have tip in May there. I think that Udoka's implemented a system that can minimize the impact of poor shooters. I think that, you know, there's certain lineups, the only guy that you've had on the floor that's realistically a high-level shooter has been Tatum. I mean, you might be able to throw Al Horford in there and say Horford. Well, JB went healthy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, um, that's what I mean. There's been times where the only guy has been Tatum. Mm-hmm. And you you you're relying on kickouts, driving kicks, and Grant Williams steps up to the plate. I think that while I do like what I've seen from that backcourt, and I t- I tip my hat to Udoka for making it work, kind of like because he had to. Yeah. Um, I definitely wouldn't like to see that as the main starting backcourt. I just think this the spacing is too minimal to be effective when teams are game planning coming into the game for that backcourt every night, they're going to quickly take you out of the game and really punish you for not being able to stretch out the defense. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, I, I, before the season, you know, I made a prediction that Dennis Schroeder was going to end up, I didn't say he'd win six man of the year, that he'd be one of those three finalists, how they announced the the finalists now. Mm -hmm. Like that was one of my predictions at the beginning of the season. I think Dennis Schroeder is, you know, a version of what I ideally want out of my six man, which is that kind of, you know, microwave score that can come in, can kind of lead your offense for a little bit and can help you give some rest to your star players who are typically going to carry the scoring load and then have those nights where, you know, like he goes for 29 or he goes for 30 or he went for 38 a couple games ago. You know what I mean? He has that variability where it's, you know, either one of our stars is out or, or maybe, you know, Tatum or Brown are way off. And you know what? Just because that happens doesn't mean that this game you know, is unwinnable now because we don't have one of our main guys. That's why we have this guy who's kind of in reserve. Keep one in the chamber just in case. And then you unload, you unload the Dennis Schroeder bullet and you just let him go. 
you know, yeah. and you're going to have those nights where you'd look back and man, that's a, that's a Dennis win right there. You know? And I think, I think by the time we reach the end of the season, we're going to have four or five different games where we're like, that was kind of a Dennis win right there where, you know, he was the catalyst that made it happen. I think as long as he, we don't have to look back and have six or seven where it's a Dennis loss. Yeah, there's a certain there's a certain point yeah. of uh, of negative returns on that for I'm sure. The ball roll, dude. Like you know, I just don't let the ball roll. Just run you fast <laughs> enough that yeah, he does yeah. it at like weird time. There's like eight minutes left in the quarter, and he yeah. just lets it roll. It is Scal Scal hates it. Scal calls that out a couple times, but it is it is a really weird thing for him to do at at, at different times. But yeah, it's, it's I don't know, and I don't know if that's something he's done throughout his career. And I just haven't noticed because I haven't watched him as closely. But it is it is a really weird. He did it a bit in I've LA noticed. last year, like it was something he did, but I didn't like think it was as excessive as what it is now. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, dude, you might as well get a leash, man. You're taking it for a walk right now. Like, it's like not even a little bit, dude. Like, sometimes you're up at the halfway line. You're like, man, I've probably wasted at least seven minutes of my life this season watching Dennis Schroeder <laughs> roll this ball up. It drives me insane. So I've got a comment on the screen off Roy. Roy Tack. Roy's a very big name in the Celtics Facebook world. Um, he runs a couple of different pages. Good guy. What's going on, Roy? So he's saying Smart should be the captain, but do we wonder if? But he wonders if Tatum would want it. I generally don't think anyone's really thinking about captains anymore. I think. Well, he like, may uh, even said he's done with it. Yeah, he said it's in the past. It. Like, I mean, it's which which is kind of funny because what what that tells me is that he probably wanted to name Marcus Smart a captain, and then he missed the plane, and then he was like, okay, I'm just gonna delay it, and then the season didn't get off to a great start, and so it was like, all right, well, screw it, it's out, it's in the past, we're moving on. Yeah. And you know, it, I think we're we're past the point of returning to to captains at this point. That that's going to be a conversation for for next year at this point. And I don't. And, and it's it's one of those things that we had talked about a couple times. I'm not sure the players care quite as much. And it's not even like it's a thing that every NBA team does anyway. Yeah, not so, anymore. So yeah, it's it, it, in the traditional sense. You think of it, you know, that it's important, but it just the modern NBA doesn't really seem like that's a a, a big deal. As much as it used uh, to be. I mean, like, you know, I've said this before, man. I always just, you tell me captain, I always think Charlie Conway. Yeah. You the don't captain. have Charlie Conway. Yeah, yeah, you don't have Charlie Conway on the team. So I don't need a captain <laughs> because, you know, this is basketball, not ice hockey. But um, now I think that gen- generally, like, I think Smart kind of said before the season started as well, like, I don't need to be named captain to lead the team. Cap- like, yeah. That doesn't make a difference to me. I'd much rather a team full of leaders than somebody that's been designated to that role and feels an increased pressure. You know what I mean? Because like that's what it is. It might not it might not sound like it, but you're basically putting pressure on a, a dude to be like, you have to you're leading the team now. This is, you know, you're you've got to hold the guys accountable. And sometimes that can work. I mean Roy's saying it's hard to believe that Rondo is the last one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe I don't know. I just don't for me, I don't think it's Super important. Neither do I think it's super beneficial. Same. I, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just not a part of... of, of it's, a, it's not necessary, is, is, is the point. I think that... I mean, it's a... You know, I think we've had a, done a good job of looking at the bigger picture today rather than looking at just a game or talking... You know, the, the next game's going to be tonight by the time everybody listens to this. For anyone watching on Facebook, then it's tomorrow, obviously. Um, I don't want to jinx it, which is kind of why I haven't wanted to speak about it, you know? I think that... <laughs> <laughs> shockingly if you want to look at defensive and offensive ratings and stuff the nets were a better defensive team than they are an offensive team at the moment james harden been struggling a little bit yeah. since he can't get to the line a little really. bit i don't even know if it's a little bit i think it's i think it's 
potentially a little bit a little bit larger than that but you know going back to dr strange here that's something else that if we went back in time before the season no, no chance anybody's saying that 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 would be the case at you know 20 games into the season and I genuinely think that he's just adjusting to the increased contact and not getting foul calls the way he used to, not being able to, you know, he was a master of a veer step. He used to throw his body into people. Uh, I still think he's somebody you need to watch out for. I oh, think for obviously, sure. You, you can't sleep I mean? on him. Yeah, you ain't sleeping on him. And even if you do, you can't sleep on KD. But I, I want to talk about that game after that game's taken place. I just think that... Um, there's too much going on, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't, want to, you don't want to create an Adam jinx here by all of a sudden talking about yeah. it on the on the podcast before anything happens. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for this game. I think this game is going to be awesome. But you know, oh, we'll, dude, we can like, leave it at that. But Yeah, this is the game where I'm like really toying with do I stay up? Yeah, I mean, you know it's, I mean? it's for sure. For, for you, obviously, what and I think that would be, so this would be, what, an 11 p.m. tip for you or a midnight yeah, I think tip? It's a tw- I think it's a 12.30 tip. Okay, because, yeah, this, this, is a main, this is a main ESPN game. I believe it's ESPN. And, you know, one thing that uh, I was talking to Greg about the other, last night, actually, on our other podcast is that, you know, you think back to the Lakers game from a few days ago over the weekend. The garden was rocking that night you know bill russell was back in the building pierce was on the call you could feel lebron was making his comeback you could feel the energy in this so you know circling all the way back to our conversation at the beginning at about thanksgiving one thing that's all that's especially in boston it's a really big deal is thanksgiving eve so thanksgiving eve is a big deal because it's when everyone that's moved away Everybody kind of comes back, does their high school reunions, their college reunions, their neighborhood reunions. They all gather at the local watering hole or they all go downtown and go to the bars. So, you know, people are going to be ready to go for this game when the garden opens on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. That crowd is going to be fired up and ready to go. And we're going to leave it there. So, everybody, as usual, I'm jealous, by the way. Very, very jealous. I've always wanted. One year, I'll I'll be living in America for Thanksgiving, and I, someone's going to have to teach me what, what we do. <laughs> but until then, and that will happen. It's not an if, it's, an, it's a when. But until then, if you're listening on an Apple device, please scroll down on your phone, hit that follow button. Then, because it used to be subscribe, now it's follow. I've told you a few times, but I keep, trying to, I keep reminding you, don't worry. Then you've got the nice little five opaque stars. Press them, they turn gold. Press the fifth one. No, no, not the third or the fourth, the fifth. Only works if you press the fifth. And then it go, all goes gold. We get a nice little notification, makes us feel happy. Then write something nice. You know, Adam's awesome, Will's awesome, Greg's awesome, Celtics Pod's awesome, Celtics Blog's awesome. Whatever you want to do, hit send. We're going to be super happy about that. If you're watching on Facebook, make sure you go on there and follow this podcast. If you don't use an Apple device, then go on to your Spotify, your Stitcher, your Pocket Cast, whatever it may be. Follow us there. Will's also going to tell you what type of word and mouth you can use to make us feel special. So when you're passing the sweet potatoes, when you're passing the mac and cheese to your aunt, your sister, your brother, your cousin-in-law, your brother-in-law, your uh, your nephew, your niece, make sure that you tell them with a side of gravy that they need to go ahead and follow Celtics Blog Podcast. Make sure that y'all follow us everywhere that you can, social media, Spotify, uh, you know, Apple, any anything that you're that you're doing regarding social media make sure you hit us up and make sure you tell everyone that you're talking to at your thanksgiving at your wednesday at your thanksgiving eve when you're at the bar with the local homies make sure you tell them who they can check out for their Celtic coverage until next time everybody have a great time in fact no you won't hear us now until after thanksgiving so i hope everybody has an awesome thanksgiving stay safe 
don't do anything I wouldn't do. Give you a bunch of leash to go and have some fun. And we'll catch you all after Thanksgiving. Peace. I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor.